Hello and welcome to episode 358 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Saturday, November the 19th, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, continuing to look at the work of Dr. Plinio, as he was affectionately known, or Professor Plinio, Plinio Correa de Oliveira. And this is some commentary on true devotion to Mary, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin by St. Louis Marie Grignon de Montfort. It was initially published in the publication The Legionnaire on November 26, 1939. Professor Plinio says, From the hands of a Catholic publishing house, the Legionario recently received the translated work of Blessed Louise Maria Grignon de Montfort. He had yet to be canonized on the true devotion to the Blessed Virgin. Among these editions, Vose's from Petropolis stands out for its qualities, which had the happy idea of also translating in an appendix the prayers that the author recommends in his book. The works of Blessed Grignon de Montfort have already established themselves in the bosom of the Holy Church for their exceptional value, and today the treatise on true devotion is generally recognized as one of the most important works ever written about Our Lady. Given the extremes of respect and love for the Blessed Virgin, to which the work of Blessed Grignon de Montfort leads its readers, it alarmed, without the slightest reason, some Catholic thinkers fearful that the author had gone so far as to exaggerate the cult of the hyperdulia that Our Lady owes. The Holy See, in order to calm fearful spirits and allow pious souls who sailed without fear over the oceans of piety contained in the treatise on true devotion, He declared, however, expressly, explicitly and officially, that there was nothing in that book that collided with the thinking of the church. It is therefore on the basis of this guarantee of supreme value that the great work of that great saint must be considered and examined. I obviously do not have the purpose, which, starting from me, would be unreasonable and reckless, to produce a commentary that presents something new or original about a work of such great theological importance. My intention in this article is just to point out to the public some of the qualities of that work that can more easily lead them to obtain readers capable of reading, meditating, and living in it. So thinking on this for a moment, it seems that St. Louis had already been canonized. Um, He's referred to in this text as blessed. So I was wondering when exactly he was canonized. Yeah, he wasn't canonized until 1947. Okay, so he perhaps he was a, a blessed at the time. Professor Plinio goes on to state, much has been written in our time out of layman's pity about piety. However, it should be noted that rarely do books of this nature, at least in Brazil, present that solidity of thought without which piety runs a serious risk of going astray. Deep down, this deficiency stems from an incomplete conception of what piety is. Reasoning in a simplistic way. Many people think that since the supreme desire of all spiritual life must be the intensification of the love of God, and since the love that the saints had for God in earthly life was manifested by extraordinary tests of effective sensitivity, ultimately, love will be all the greater, the sharper, and more alive the sensitivity. So the work of a book of piety must consist in awakening 
the greatest possible effective sensitivity. The more tender the language, the more imaginative, the richer the adjectives, the more effective. With this, evidently, the entire doctrinal structure of the work suffers serious damage. Literary preoccupation predominates over clarity and orthodoxy of thought. And the whole work, if it succeeds at one time or another in touching the reader by a happy artifice of language, does not leave at the end a single solid and profound conviction, a single of those clear ideas, and substantial, capable of guiding a life and determining a spiritual reform. In this, as in everything else, Holy Church must be our teacher. No one strives more than she to stimulate and form human sensitivity, nourishing it with all the impressions capable of giving a true elevation. Through images, through chants, through music, through the splendors of the sacred liturgy, the church speaks incessantly to the sensibility of the faithful and aided by the grace of God, which never fails her, as well as by the resources of great human talents, she has achieved such results. In this field that it can be said that no one in all of history has been able to propose to human sensibility themes as high and as noble, at the same time as strong and as soft as she. At the same time, no one has been able to communicate to these sensitive manifestations a character so refinely artistic as the great talents inspired by the church. Far, far from us, therefore, is the concern to ignore the role of sensibility in the life of godliness. Let us leave this sad task to the Protestants, and let us remain docile to the wonderful teachings that the Holy Church gives us in this regard. However, if we do not want to reduce the role of sensitivity in any way, we are also very far from attributing to it an importance in the life of piety that it does not have. As a life of piety is intended to sanctify man, the importance, respectively, of intelligence, will, and sensibility is proportionate to the magnitude of the functions of each in man. Now, if the role of sensitivity is great, no one can, no matter how little they reflect, fail to recognize that the action of intelligence and will is even greater. So then, the true formation of piety must not be content with ministering stimuli upon stimuli to the sensibility. It will only be solid if it is based on clear, substantive, and fundamental truths taught and deeply assimilated by intelligence. And it will only be real if these truths are used as a means to vigorously discipline the will in an arduous and hard combat that, although the soul is spiritual, with all appropriate expressions, can be called bloody. The spiritual life is worthless if it does not require solid religious instruction and an effective, disciplined, constant, and intransigent struggle with us. An example that I never get tired of repeating and which is commonplace will explain everything. I knew a person who lived in a state of habitual mortal sin and who, however, every time he made away the cross, he cried copiously for the pains of our Lord. I tried to show this person how he should take advantage of this sensitive compunction to turn away from sin. It was all useless. The sensibility was lively, but the will was not straight. The epilogue of the situation was a moral decay that reached down to the last lines of what a man can do. Sensitivity was lacking. But what about the rest? It is rare to find a book that, in a more obvious way, has the two predicates, that of clarifying the intelligence and that of stimulating the sensitivity 
than that of Blessed Grignon de Montfort. His treatise on it is a veritable thesis with a flash of polemic. The argument is solid, substantial, profound. It is never noticed in him that an outburst of love comes to disturb the unfailing serenity and correctness of thought. Its depth becomes such that readers who are not initiated into theology, and this is my case, often have to make a serious effort of intelligence in order to understand it. But on the other hand, there is not a single useless or meaningless sentence in his book. All words have their exact and calculated value, and all concepts generate clear and profound convictions, which not only awaken sensibility in moments when our temperament is conducive to this, but luminous and substantial ideas, which generate that serious and solid love, capable of heroically surviving the most implacable dryness of the spiritual life. However, it should not be thought that the treatise on true devotion is a cold exposition of principles. At every point of phrase, Blessed Grignon de Montfort left the sweat of his intelligence and the blood of his heart dripping. His argument, if it is lucid, is far from phlegmatic. On the contrary, it is passionate, ardent, communicative. With each victorious demonstration, his writing takes on accents of shouts of triumph and jubilation. Its language resembles that of Sao Paulo. And that is why the great Faber said of the work of Grignon de Montfort that after the Holy Scriptures, nothing has been written more burning than his famous prayer asking for missionaries from Mary. If there is a work in which one understands that intellectual light full of love of which Dante speaks, it is that of Grignon de Montfort. Reading it is powerfully facilitating progress in the spiritual life. To spread it is to accumulate crowns of merit in the kingdom of heaven. So ends the article. Professor Plinio, of course, writing very eloquently and magnificently about the treatise on true devotion to Mary. I highly recommend you read it. I gave out copies last year to all of my students. And if you've read it, read it again. You will grow in your love for the Blessed Mother. You will grow in your love for our Lord Jesus Christ. I guarantee it. Don't take my word for it. I'm just some guy with a podcast. How about the words of one of the great, he, during the course of this article, he says he's not skilled in theology. He's being very hum, humble. Uh, Professor Plinio was highly skilled, a very erudite man when it came to theology and philosophy, and he loved the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he loved Jesus Christ with every fiber of his being. So read that book, uh, The Treatise on True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary by St. Louis Grignon de Montfort. It is well worth your time. It's one of the best books ever written, maybe the best book ever written on Our Lady. Let us now take a moment, as we've been doing for several weeks now, to get the word out about helping autism through learning and outreach, located at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. And please tune in, if you haven't already done so, to episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. We found that in the church even those individuals who are trying to reach out to people with special needs don't know much about RPM 
or rapid prompting method, sometimes called typing to talk or typing to communicate, but whatever it's called, it has been a lifesaver for those who've been afflicted with non-speaking autism and their families, people who didn't even know their children's favorite color are now communicating with their kids at a very high level. My niece Brielle is a comprehensive genius. She's skilled in mathematics and she writes music and all sorts of other things, but we would have never known that were it not for RPM. So please check out my interview with Brielle and my sister Toby at episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast and check out that website, H-A-L-O-S-O-M-A.org because communication is a human right. Let us pray now for help and for healing for those who've been afflicted with non-speaking autism. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you through the intercession of St. Raphael, the Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Prayer of St. Louis de Montfort. Hail Joseph the just, wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father of Jesus Christ, pray for us sinners and obtain divine wisdom for us from God, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. And now the three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady of Fatima's Immaculate Purity. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, Sancti Iosef, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis, Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, friends, for listening to episode 358 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Our Twitter handle is at Fatima Podcast. All the shows are archived there. And most importantly, please pray for the eternal salvation of all of our bishops. Goodbye and God love you.